and, and humans as a whole. We want that intimate connection. We want to feel belonging. We don't want to be alone. We want to be able to have genuine conversations that go beyond where are you from? What are your hobbies? What are your major? You're listening to the Teak Nation podcast with Donnie Aldrich, where we hope to educate, inspire, and entertain you with tips and lessons from members of our fraternity. We hope you enjoy our podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Teak Nation podcast. My name is Donnie Eldridge. Excited and thrilled to have a special guest here with us for this episode of our podcast. We have Nick Kimball, who is our director of expansion, someone who has been working on our staff now for three years and here to talk about a topic that is vital to our organization and also something that we are both extremely passionate about, and that is recruitment. Welcome, Nick. Hey, appreciate you having me on. So I want to want to make sure for, for those who are listening that we deliver a high amount of value and a, a high amount of content. And in that, I want to get going right away. And so with that in mind, can you talk about your your passion for recruitment? Where does that come from? Uh, yeah, great question. I started in my collegiate years, I think, at Loyola University Chicago, Epsilon Kappa chapter. I never was recruitment chair or anything like that, but the uh, the experience there really led me to have a passion for changing culture. And I think that is a extremely high value part of recruitment that people don't take into effect. It's really why I don't teach and talk about the recruitment events necessarily, but how you structure your culture. What are you selling? What is that vision? And that that's really the lifeblood of the fraternity that can, that can change a colony or chapter drastically if you really hammer down on that and talk about culture because it really reverberates through recruitment and can create those uh, incredible experiences, top tier chapters and, and top tier houses across the country. As you start to, to think about the things that you use in terms of advice, and that's that's a big part of what you're doing in, in either rebuilding groups or starting groups from scratch or going in and trying to revitalize some of our, our chapters or colonies that maybe have fallen on hard times. What are some some tips that you think just off the bat, if someone said, Nick, can you give me three great recruitment tips? What what comes to mind? Uh, yeah, I think you need to do an evaluation, right? Where is the group at? Uh, just do a little digging, really figure out what it is they're selling. What is your brand vision? If you're going to sell me a mediocre experience, you're going to get a mediocre product. You're going to get mediocre people buying into that. But if you're selling something that people can believe in, something that drives value, that culture piece, that's really that's really the key. So evaluation, uh, the second being figuring out your brand vision. You sell to to the brand you want to be, right? You don't sell to, hey, we're, this is where we're currently at and we're going to hammer on this point. No, where, where are we going to be in the future? And thirdly, you need to develop a vision and a training method. So what is this going to look like in the next semester, the next year, the next three years? Uh, where do we want to be? If you don't know where you're going, that PNM, the potential new member, that possible recruit isn't going to either. Uh, so evaluation, brand, and envisioning your culture, I would say are the, the one, two, three key hits. Those are really good. Thank you for that. I, I would think that the most challenging one would be evaluation. Can you talk a little bit further about that? Because it's challenging for any of us, especially as as men, to be honest with ourselves about who we are or where we are, especially if that's not exactly where we want to be. I think it's easy at times to overinflate where we are, or overinflate our brand on some of our campuses if we're not having success or start to, to create reasons, whether it's the university doesn't support us or we don't have enough alumni support. There's a lot of areas to, to grasp onto. How vital is it to be 
ruthlessly honest with yourself when it comes to the evaluation piece? It is the the most important. Um, if you can't be honest with yourself, you're never going to be honest about your results. You're never going to be honest about your shortcomings, where you want to be, and you're never going to get those true results. So you asked me to touch a little bit on some of those questions, I think. And I would say you have to start out with, where are you arrogant? That's something that we, we talk about in the GCMC at, at HQ all the time. Where are we arrogant? Um, and then in regards to recruitment, it's you know, oh yeah, we have this event, right? We have, you know, we have this Instagram post, but where are we really coming up short? Is it just hitting our recruitment goal or is it accepting falling too short? What do we need? What are we lacking in this group that is separating us from the top tier organization on this campus? It doesn't have to be a fraternity. It could be a student organization. It could be a, a sorority you admire. But where are we lacking? How would the sorority that you want to mix with or swap with or, or form a relationship with, how would they describe you? Um, that can be a real honest evaluation. Where are you now? Where do you want to be? What are those questions looking like and how has your experience really compared to to groups around the country, to the fraternities on your campus? Um, you can say we have fun. We have a we have a tight brotherhood. We have a, a strong connection with alumni. But if you really can't talk through and, and evaluate what your experience is compared to others and what it can be, I don't think you're being honest with yourself. So let's talk about myths. I think that especially in this area of the fraternity, there are a number of myths that come with recruitment. Can you talk about any myths that things that you've heard in your travels over the last three years that you can break down and share with the entire organization, anyone out there listening who supports our fraternity myths that exist in recruitment? Yeah, absolutely. I would say the the biggest one that, that comes to mind immediately is if we grow we're going to lose our brotherhood. To me, that's a very, very weak excuse. It is for people who are afraid to think outside the box, who are afraid to expand their vision or... Very small-minded, right? Small-minded. Yeah. Great way to say it. I was kind of skirting around it. But if you're really afraid to grow and lose the brotherhood, uh, that's just contrary to many facts we see. We have 120-man chapters, 183-man chapters that have a great brotherhood. When I hear that, I just think, oh, you can't recruit or you don't have a good enough brand to get those recruits, you're afraid of the final result that you can't even achieve yet. So why are you afraid about the future? There's specialists, there's volunteers, there's alumni, there's staff members who are more than well-versed to help you with your brotherhood. But let's let's get to that first. We're worried about a problem that doesn't exist. Uh, the second one that, that kind of stems off that is, well, we don't want a, that big a new member class, right? Or, or a pledge class because we don't know how to educate them properly or uh, we can't handle that or that's more than half the chapter. Again, problem that doesn't exist. We can talk through that and what that looks like once we get to that problem. You're really going to turn a great man away from your group just because you met him a day after your cut off of eight or 10 guys. Uh, give me a break. That's an excuse. And like you said earlier, uh, small minded. Yeah. One of the phrases that I like to use, especially when it comes to the thought process around, we're going to lose our brotherhood. 
change the mindset and put that in a different perspective. If I said, Nick, you know, you have a hundred thousand dollars, I want to give you a million dollars. You wouldn't turn it down and say, well, I, I just don't know who I'd be if I had a million dollars, right? That's essentially what our groups do. You'd say, you know what? I, I think I'd figure out how to spend that money. And I'd also figure out how to continue to be a great person. If you're recruiting a, a high number of people, you're recruiting great people, which is what you believe to join your organization. That's only going to enhance the culture. It's only going to enhance the brotherhood. Are you going to know every single aspect about every single brother? Maybe not, but that's not necessarily what our fraternity is about, is knowing every single aspect of every single brother. It's about living the values of love, charity, and esteem and furthering this brotherhood into all sorts of circles of the campuses and communities that we're a part of. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you want to have uh, a better philanthropy event, raise more philanthropic dollars for our partners at at St. Jude. If you want to have better mixers or swaps with the sororities on your campus, all those things, you're telling me five or 10 more brothers or, or 20 or 25 more brothers isn't going to help those causes. That's just wrong. Everyone knows that that doesn't make sense, right? Just like I wouldn't turn down a million dollars because I already had a hundred thousand. Yeah. Life, life gets much easier when, when you have more people, it makes it a lot, lot less challenging. If you need to get 10 guys to go to an intramural event and play on the intramural team, obviously that's much easier if you have 50 guys in, in the chapter versus having 12. Right. You <laughs> it's can just, pick your just a numbers A-team, game. Right? Yeah. right. You can pick your A team. You can have three teams. Or if you're having a philanthropy event and there are some guys that have to work that day, it's much easier if you have 50, 60 guys. You can still get 30, 40 people have a great showing for that event. And those those folks that have to go work can still meet those commitments. So yeah, you're setting uh, yourself up for success, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you're just giving yourself more options in life, which is exactly what we want our members to do, preparing them for for their future. Another aspect I'd like for you to talk about is we get a lot of folks in the fraternity that talk about small school recruitment versus large school recruitment. And you've had the honor to be able to work with both large universities and smaller schools. Can you talk about the difference between the two? Can you talk about the similarities? Just put that in perspective for our folks that they obviously attend a small school and don't know the difference between large and small or vice versa to to connect the two. Uh, yeah, I mean, there there are there are differences in what students are are looking for in some regards, right? There might be a more commuter based campus, so you're not you're not finding the the young men and the students in the dorms or residence halls. Um, they might be students that typically go to class and go home. They're not hanging out or going to student organizations at night or spending you know three hours in between classes in the dining hall or going home and taking a nap in the residence hall. So there's different tactics of, of how you can go into that recruitment. Um, from a small and big school, there's different options. They might be less involved students on a smaller campus just because of that, that commuter life. But honestly, I, I find less differences. Of, there's more similarities on those campuses because at the end of the day, those are young men who are looking to join something bigger than themselves. It's a more connected world we live in uh, with less options for true connection. Um, and I think that's kind of something innate about men as a whole and, and, and humans as a whole. We want that intimate connection. We want to feel belonging. We don't want to be alone. We want to be able to have genuine conversations that go beyond where are you from? What are your hobbies? What are your major? We want to know, hey, can you tell me a few things that brought you to this campus? Can you tell me one or two things that you want to get out of this college experience? And and to me, that's 
It's creating a vision uh, at the small and big schools, whether it be connecting men who who were in sports, student government, residence hall life, all these people that didn't know each other. And and Teak is that place they can come together, create a community, create a bond and have a more more typical college experience that is is value driven and that they can look back on and say, we fundamentally changed this campus for the better. We fundamentally changed these men while they were in the group and we are still connected, still involved, still engaged alumni two, three, five, 10, 15 years down the road. Um, and it's about selling that vision about what we want to be, how we want to change that campus. I think people wait for life to start until they're an adult, right? Um, right. Well, at 24 years old, I'm, you never think of yourself as a full-blown adult. I'm, yeah, I know you have a, three kids and a, and a wife, and I'm sure there's times that you're like, wow, you know, am I an adult yet? Or well, when am I going to turn into an adult? I think, that, I think everyone asks that, right? There's no time to start living like right now. So if you're going to be mediocre in college, if you're not going to be able to sell a vision and create the experience that you want, to be super honest, I'm not sure that's ever going to come to you. So it's a great time to learn how to communicate your vision, communicate what you want for the future. And that's the difference between small and big campuses. There's different tactics you can use in different places you might want to set up shop. But in the end, uh, it's about the vision you sell and create for your chapter. Yeah, you've talked a lot about brand and vision, and that's vitally important when it comes to to selling what you are as an organization and looking to to get other folks to want to join the organization, to invest the time, to invest the dollars. Can you talk a little bit about strategy? You just touched upon it there at the end of, of the thought about big schools and small schools. Talk about any strategies you have that our, our men can take out and use when it comes to recruitment. Yeah. In terms of tactics, I would say you have to start with your names list and building that names list. If you want to ha get more recruits, you need to expand on that names list. It's great if you talk to 10 guys and you had a 50% bid acceptance rate, right? But what if you expanded that to 100 guys and you had a 25% acceptance rate and you got 25 guys, right? So building your names list. I would start with going around the, the colony or chapter and having everyone list five men who they know who are currently not involved in Greek life in TKE and writing down those names. You don't have to think they're for sure, for sure, yes, when you offer them a bid. You don't even have to personally think they're the best fit for the chapter or what you would consider a fraternity man. But leave that up to the, the recruitment chair or, or to the recruitment committee to talk through them because they might just, they might not have had the right person ask some of the right questions. So if you can get everyone to write down five names, that's a huge list. It, it can be men from your your classes, a project you worked on, someone you work with at the student union, your next door neighbor in your residence hall, any of those things, somebody you ran into in the parking lot when you were leaving class, right? Um, starting with that names list is key. Then when you get into that, you can really start formulating the questions that, that you want to ask them that you think you're going to gear them towards the experience TKE can give and it's vast. So there's a lot of great questions out there. Can you talk as well about scholarships? You know, what, what are things that you're selling about the organization, other aspects that we have that make us unique versus joining Student Congress? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you are connected to a, a network of alumni of, of brothers across the country. There's obviously the scholarships from the Teak Foundation that you can apply for in May that you can connect to. And if you're a political science major, right, there's the Bruce Melcher Scholarship. And, and I was lucky enough to be a recipient of that as a collegiate member. But one of my favorite tactics to, to spin back to recruitment a little bit that make us different, I think you can easily parlay building out that names list into scholarships, right? You're there for an education and academics. Okay, excellent. You want to build the names list? There's easy ways to post on a, a Facebook group or when you talk to students, any any student, any male is eligible for these scholarships that uh, whether it be uh, $50 for books or maybe a more, more generous scholarship um, from, from local alumni. Maybe you want to really, really expand and, and Build that into your budget process um, so you can $200, right? It could be you know, $10 a man each semester or $5 a man. Uh, or, you know, if you're our USC chapter, it can be $1 a man, <laughs> right? Um, you can go through those things and say, we want to donate this, but just put your information in, upload your resume. Okay, now you know the resume for these PNMs. You have uh, this names list. You, know, you don't have to accept a bid to receive it. Um, but if you're really having genuine conversations about what the scholarship can do, about what a quality education, about what offsetting those costs can do, and can parlay that into the TEAK experience, you're going to build out that names list. Another strategic opportunity is to leverage alumni. Can you talk about in, in groups you've worked with in the past or any, any group out there that's listening to us, how can you utilize alumni? Yeah. So people want value. This generation specifically doesn't necessarily want to join a fraternity. I'm speaking about Gen Z, by the way, to clarify. Uh, they aren't looking to join for uh, friends or a brotherhood. Those those buzzwords really aren't gonna gonna work with the majority of those people. That they really want value. They want to see what they're gonna get for the money they're investing because it is an investment, right? And that's a great Absolutely. way to to talk about talk about dues and and what it costs to be a member and initiation fees. But really leveraging your alumni. Yes, the scholarships I spoke about getting them involved, but uh, we talk about time and talent a lot for our alumni and being a life loyal member and giving back. Those members want to see networking. Okay, does that mean at the annual tailgate uh, when alumni are looking to have fun and cut loose a little bit and uh, and relive the college college days and, and enjoy their time? They're going to want to talk about the Fortune 500 company they work at or uh, a business model or something like that or investments. Have the invite some of your your more involved alumni, some of your board members, your chapter advisor. Um, a speaker series for recruitment or one night of recruitment event. Yes, they can they can tell what Teak meant to them, but they can also talk about what they do professionally, um, how Teak has helped them, how being the the chapter Chryso really helped them learn how to manage a budget and hold their peers accountable. Obviously, any position works for that one, right? But leveraging those people, talking through those events and having them just speak for five to 10 minutes about what it means, how they feel Talk at Epsilon is a lifelong investment and organization yourself. And the more you give, the more you get back out of it. That's a great way to leverage your alumni for recruitment. So this new generation of students who are looking for value, who are looking for what they're getting, can take away from this experience and say, these, these guys don't just talk about networking or brotherhood or lifelong friendships. They live it. Right. Well, and I think there's a, a great strategy or a great opportunity for for those that 
that are smaller groups to utilize alumni. You know, many small groups, a way to look bigger, a way to look more attractive to, to during recruitment is to invite those alumni to come back, especially when it comes to the official bid night or uh, even more so the orientation night, right? When groups are going around to find out about different organizations, you can make yourself look much larger if you're a 10 or 15 or 20 man group who's wanting to build to 30, 40, 50. You can look like 30, 40, 50 by getting some of those alumni to come back. As you say, share stories, highlight Obviously, the, the positive stories and how the fraternities impacted them, how the relationships have continued far beyond college, how they've been able to to leverage that into job opportunities or leverage that into how to be a better father, how to be a better son, friend, and the learning and the challenging of each other never stops. And that's, I think, one of the greatest aspects about our organization. Yeah, absolutely. Power in numbers. Can you talk about I think one of the the greatest myths, one of the greatest arguments that we have in our fraternity that has been there for as long as I can recall is the quality versus quantity argument. Can you give some of your your thoughts on that and, and educate and highlight where where you stand when it comes to if this argument even exists? So we touched on earlier, right? You're really going to turn the most qualified man away because you hit your number quota uh, that you feel you can adequately support in the new member process. Uh, even though he could fundamentally change your chapter, he could be the next Charles R. Walgreen Jr. He could be the next Ronald Reagan. That's an insane argument. I think uh, everyone knows that that is, when you say that out loud, it's ridiculous. So you, you don't want to take in, but on the, the quality side, right? We want quality members. We don't want to take in a member who's going to cause you more problems in the new member process, who's who's going to cause issues for your group um, that are going to get you sanctioned by the school or get, that are going to give you a bad reputation and brand. I think that's the most important part. You want people who are going to further the Teak name on your campus, the brand that we've created, that you've worked so hard. You can have both. There are 5,000 man campuses, 10,000 man campuses, even uh, smaller institutions that have 200 men on their campus in, in each class. There are quality people out there. They might not run up to the house or run up to the recruitment table. Uh, you have to go find them. Yes, you have to work for this just like anything that you want in life. You have to work for it. But going out and finding those places, there really are not that many bad or unqualified candidates out there. You need to go figure out what makes them work. Uh, what makes that person? Ask people on campus who are quality people. Ask people on campus what they want to see out of a new fraternity on that campus in my role. Or ask people what they want to see, how TKE can improve if, if they know you. Or maybe they're an advocate and a friend of yours already. Ask your professors. Hey, if I was looking for a really driven individual who you think would be good for a student organization that really focuses on leadership, friendship, brotherhood, who's looking to change lives and create value on this campus that is going to increase retention rates, you have a few names you give me from from your experience. That's a great way to build that names list and, and build those quality people that aren't necessarily running up to the house or running up to the recruitment table. You might not immediately strike you as a, as a fraternity man because he doesn't already own a, a pair of comfort colors, right? Those are great ways to, to combat that argument. I think. It's really amazing to me as you go to Teak events and you have discussions with folks who are engaged and involved in the fraternity, especially people in leadership positions at chapters, how many of them, including 
I know for myself and probably you as well say, I never thought I'd join a fraternity, right? Those aren't the people that a lot of the, the folks that you're getting aren't people who imagine when they came to college, hey, I can't wait to join a fraternity. Never crossed my mind. Yeah, absolutely. I heard uh, heard a great story the other day with one of our most involved alumni from the Midwest and flats of Oklahoma to uh, our nation's capital in D.C. And now he finds himself in uh, Carolina and he joined. He's been a member since the 1960s. And he said, I joined because someone asked me and it created a lifelong of friendship, brotherhood and growth. That's incredible. Well, and the other aspect we talked earlier about relating items within the fraternity into the outside world in, in this quality versus quantity piece, the way that I like to always showcase or highlight it is, listen, if you build a quality experience, a quantity of people are going to want to come. And that's a great thing. You don't ever go to Chick-fil-A and there isn't a line. There's always a line at Chick-fil-A. There's always a line at Starbucks. There's a reason for that. They're building a quality experience and people are lined up around the door for it. And it's we're obligated through our founding documents, through who we are as an organization to look to expand or spread the gospel of the fraternity. As we know, there's some of our founders were very religious. And that's one way I like to honor them is to just share. We got to spread the gospel of Teak. It's outside of what's expected of us to sit there and hoard it and say, well, it's just for us 15 guys or just for us 20 guys, because we're we're the ones who are the guardians of this quality experience. Or And so there are so many, as you said, so many great folks out there that aren't aren't in the triangle, aren't in our bond, aren't in our organization that should be. And I'm sure that every single person listening to this can think of five or 10 or 15 people that should be in the fraternity, whether that you're in college and they're still out there on that campus and someone that could join the active collegiate chapter, or maybe folks that during your, you're, you're not an alumni member and during your college years, you know, they got away and, and didn't initiate when they could have. And that brings me to, to one last piece that I want to touch upon, and that's honorary initiates and something that's very unique about our organization. And that's that if you do join after college, you do have the full right, same as, as you and I do as a member. Can you talk about the honorary initiate program and any memorable or, or significant honorary initiates that you've had the pleasure to interact with? Absolutely. Yeah. I think the, the most prominent one that I act, interact with on a daily basis is a, as a member of the professional staff and an alumni uh, in the fraternity is our alumni director, Chris Niles. I know he joined uh, because someone asked him to right at the, right. at the, at the leadership Academy. And he was involved before that, before he became an official member. Um, but many people invite their their father to become a member, um, a favorite professor, like you said, someone who, who didn't join uh, as a collegiate member for for many reasons, finances, uh, transfer out, life got in the way. They, they just they weren't at that college, but they're still their friends. Uh, it's really a, a great way to talk through that this is just not a college experience. It's not just a three to five year experience when you're at that institution. This is a lifelong journey. This is more than those four years. Uh, you are always wearing your letters, not just when you're on that college campus, uh, but in life and creating that experience, again, hoarding it, not shying away from those alumni who are, who are involved in contributing uh, civic members of society who are, are really doing well and, and creating relationships and doing incredible things that are changing their community, their, their world, their city to not invite them. It's almost a crime, right? right. We, we, uh, we have it so is. much opportunity uh, to expand the good word to teak. 
And it's, re- it's really very simple, right? You They fill out a few forms. Typically, someone pays their initiation fee who's asking them to join. Uh, that doesn't have to be the case. Um, but you send it into the OGC and everything checks out. Good to go, and uh, you can you can invite them to become an initiate of the the grand chapter, or you can invite them to become an honorary initiate of your home chapter. It really just kind of depends on what you want, and it's an incredible experience that we have in Teak that I think other our peer groups are, are missing out on. Frankly, I agree, and we've we've had a number of famous honorary initiates from from Elvis Presley to Danny Thomas. Fortunately, didn't get to interact yeah, with those, right? And now to to Steve Forbes and and Aaron Rodgers, folks who exhibit the values of the fraternity. And I'm honored to to say that I was able to initiate my father a few years back at, at the Leadership Academy. And that's a really cool experience, not just to have the father-son experience, but also now we're fraternity brothers. And for him to see this fraternity family that I joined many years ago, that means so much to me and be able to form relationships with guys like you and, and members of our staff and different events that we travel to. It's a it's a really cool experience that I, I would encourage other folks to explore if if their fathers did not unfortunately join a different fraternity uh, to, to be a part of to be a part of this this big teak family and to continue to to share our organization with others. And the last question I really want to turn it over to you of final items you want to share with with anyone who's out there listening about either recruitment or expansion. This is something that you've invested your life in for the last three years. You travel all around trying to ensure that Teak can thrive and go to new corners of Teak Nation. And also, you know, you're in front of campus administrators all the time trying to convince them that this is a great idea to support our organization. And so I just really want to turn the floor over to you as, as we conclude to talk about anything you'd like from expansion to recruitment to, to being a staff member, just to let you showcase and highlight your passion and love for what you do every day. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. I probably could have spent the entire podcast talking about this, right? Uh, there's a lot there, but everyone has a duty to help with our expansion efforts in the fraternity. Let's start there, right? If you're a great member, if you're a great chapter, if you're providing value on a campus, you're going to help us with expansions because Greek life administrators, they move around the country. They call their peers and their friends who they've attended conferences with and created relationships with. It's just a referral program. It's just like business, right? Is this person a good partner to do business with? Those are real conversations that I have on a daily basis. And that's key. So be a good steward of our fraternity. Be a contributing member on your campus. Have that relationship with the uh, FSL and sorority life office. Those are important. That's how you can actively help me every day and help TKE expand to new campuses. Help us revitalize our chapters that are currently not operating. That is how you can actively help. But I want to talk a little bit about where we're going this fall. Just for a brief second, University of Wyoming, Gamma Alpha Chapter, uh, Rutgers, New Brunswick, Alpha Eta, and Beta Gamma at Oklahoma State and Stillwater. Those are three very prominent campuses. That's not counting the interest groups that will pop up. It's not counting the presentations that we have this fall that could lead to spring 2020 expansions that could lead to spring 2023 expansions. You never know. I'm charged with not only uh, doing the work, but creating the slate that's going to go three to eight years, uh, sometimes even 10 down the line, right? Uh, it's it's not a overnight process. It is sometimes a six month to a year process. Uh, and it's a relationship business, but it's really exciting. I want to leave you with a little bit of a recruitment charge, right? Fall 2019, there's no better time to get after it than right now. The past is in the past. If you're not in a house, if you had financial issues in the past, if you 
your brotherhood, right? It's not there. You want to change that culture. Now is the time. Summer is the reset button. Fall is coming up. Campuses are opening up. Orientations are slowly winding to an end. This is the time to spread the Bible of TQ Nation, right? The, the good word that is going out there to fundamentally change lives across the country and recruit these quality men that are going to be the next Elvis Presley's, Ronald Reagan's, Steve Forbes. All those people were asked to join TKE and you have the opportunity to recruit those and fundamentally change your chapter, create the experience that you've always wanted, that top tier on your campus, the one that you never turn down for a mixer or a swap, the ones that you are going to and building a top teak experience. So you can come to Conclave 2021 and uh, claim that award. So if I'm if I'm an alumnus listening to this podcast or who maybe wants to bring my chapter back, or if I'm a collegiate member who said, Nick, uh, you gave me a couple good tips there. But I'm sure you got to have 10 more that you just didn't have time for on on this podcast. How can how can folks get a hold of you? How can they what's your email address that they can reach out and contact you and and pick your brain a little bit further or maybe start a path to bring their their group back? Yeah, unfortunately, we're regulated on time. I'm sure you and I could spin here and, and uh, turn it up for an you know, hour and a half or so. Absolutely. About but I would encourage you to reach out. Um, you can go to the TKE website and staff and, and find my email. But it's N Kimball. That's N last name at tke.org. Shoot me an email. I usually have a, a 24 hour response period. I'm a big late night email guy. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to get back to you quickly and we can schedule time to get on the phone and talk about it. Always willing to have those conversations about revitalizing chapters, growing the fraternity. Teak's in a growth year. It's only up from here. And uh, we're rebuilding this great fraternity of ours to once again conquer the world and uh, reclaim our, our right as the quintessential premier fraternity experience. We expect excellence and, and nothing less. Absolutely. Well, Nick, I want to thank you. Uh, someone who's extremely talented and driven and passionate about recruitment, but uh, obviously essentially about about our fraternity. Someone who has committed himself for the last three years to expand the brand, uh, who's really focused on the vision of where we're going. It's it, You're someone that I really enjoy spending time with. I think that our members would be very, very thoughtful uh, and, and well-versed to reach out to you and just pick your brain, as you said, and ask questions. But someone that I'm very grateful is a member of our professional staff team and someone that I know is making an impact, not just currently, but is going to make impact for years to come because of some of the footprints that you have left. So, Broder Nick, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate you having me, Donnie. Thank you. And thank you for joining us on this episode of the Teak Nation podcast.